Welcome to the AWPT Podcast, a safe space for personal trainers and coaches who want to learn, grow, and feel heard in the fitness industry. Each week, we'll bring you industry-relevant discussions on all things coaching, mindset, and professional development, empowering you with the tools to be a competent and confident coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the AWPT podcast. Today, I am joined by Meg Martin, although some of you guys might know her as Meg Sutherland, and she is going to be talking to us today all about community, her journey as a coach, her journey throughout health and fitness and all of that good stuff. And so without further ado, I think we should just jump straight in. Meg, if you wanted to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you love, all of that fun stuff, really. Sick. Well, thanks for having me. First of all, I'm, I'm pumped to be on the podcast. I love what you guys do on social media um, and that you're helping, I guess, women. I think that's very cool, um, especially in doing physical activity, because that's what I think is most important in, in women, especially for confidence, is getting getting up and getting after and pushing ourselves. So I guess a little bit about me, um, when I was really young, I was a gymnast and then I did competitive sports aerobics, actually won worlds when I was 16. So super competitive sports aerobics. Um, and then, uh, after the, after aerobics, after I retired from aerobics, I did, um, my bachelor of exercise and nutrition science and just focused on academics for a little bit, got into gym, Um, And I didn't get into running until more recently, but now that's been the main focus is running. And then that's where Mega Run and um, now my running program, Run Mega, has come from as a result. And my husband, that was very exciting to an added (laughs) plus that I didn't expect. So I guess that's a little bit about what we're doing now is obviously Mega Run, Run Mega, running in ultra marathons and doing high rocks and just all those sorts of things. Um, but I guess you can let me know what you'd like me to dive a little bit more into. Yeah. <laughs> so let's maybe go back to the beginning in terms of, I suppose, your <laughs> upbringing. I always find it really interesting talking to coaches and people that are really into sort of health and fitness and wellness and stuff like that, because I think people either fall into one of two camps, either they grew up super sporty and had that like competitive side and were into sort of team sports and exercise, or they were the complete opposite and they fell into it later in life because you know something happened or you know they yeah they just discovered a love for it later on sounds like you were the former in terms of being like super sporty and athletic growing up which was the opposite of me but um what was I suppose were you in a sporty family how did all of that I guess play out for you well I mean my mom my mom was a competitive squash player when she was younger and my dad was a rugby union player. So I guess sport was in our family, but I don't, it wasn't really something that was heavily encouraged or anything. We just, my older sister and I, so I've got an older sister and a younger sister and we were all put into gymnastics when we were young, which I think is the best sport you can go into as a, especially as a girl, but also as a boy mm-hmm. um, when you're young, because it just gives you that foundation for so many things in later life as in so much of what our abilities we learn when we're actually really young and that's what allows us to be better when we're older so I guess the younger we are when we learn the more malleable we are I think that's the way that I would put it so yeah yes I've always been an an individual athlete so I guess for me I think there's also big differences between team athletes and individual athletes and I didn't learn the team aspect of things probably until I was a bit older um that was probably where I learned the the fun that comes in doing things with other people because I was always just that person training by myself competing by myself finding my own discipline that sort of thing so particularly in aerobics because you can you can do teams and you can do individuals but I I always found that for me personally I would do better in the individual performance because obviously I'm in control of what I can do I can train hard and you don't have the I guess you don't have to depend on other people but I see the other side of it where now when I get to do mega run and I realize that having other people pushing you is where most of your growth will actually come from too so I think you've just got to have people that are obviously better than you in order to grow and learn from them as well yeah Whereas at the time, 
not tooting my own horn, but I was probably the best. Well, I, I won world. So technically I was yeah, the best yeah, out of exactly. what I was doing. So a lot of what I was doing was coming from myself and self-motivation to be the best that I could be. Yeah, definitely. It's such an interesting point about, I suppose, the pros and cons to individual sport versus team sport. And there's definitely, I think, a place for both. And I also like what you said about gymnastics and growing up with gymnastics, especially as a young girl, because I would probably agree with you there in terms of gymnastics is one of those sports where I think it's one of the few sports initially, at least, that is quite female dominant but also there's a lot of strength and form and discipline and stuff that goes into being a gymnast and I think in a world where young girls aren't necessarily pushed to go down the strength um strength training path or like get strong grow muscles you know Mm. all that kind of stuff that's one of the few sports where you need to be really bloody strong and gymnasts are so strong and also coordinated and you need agility and you need balance and all of that kind of stuff, which unless you're, you know, doing a gym program from a young age, which lots of people aren't necessarily, you know, they don't necessarily get taught the right form or how to use their muscles or how to use their body and like where their body is in space and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And I think it's really nice because, gymnastics you are right it, it it's it is more um, feminine or female dominated and I think mm. I love it because it adds this femininity to being strong as in yeah such a nice base of saying go and do gymnastics and be artistic and be beautiful but also be very strong and very flexible yeah. and confident and able to work under pressure I just think it's the best foundation I feel so lucky that my parents put me into that when I was young yeah and you get lots of cool party tricks out of it as well <laughs> Yeah, that is <laughs> like true. being able to do a handstand or you know single arm pull-ups and all of that kind of stuff that, that you can true. whip out <laughs> yeah. although I will say and- when, I, when I did gymnastics I only did gym until I was about 10 years old and so mm-hmm. technically everything that I know now I think was muscle memory from when I was very young but I had to relearn yeah. everything in my yeah. years and I didn't keep backflipping my whole life I didn't keep yeah doing that all the time because in aerobics you don't do backflips and things like that you do one-arm push-ups and jumps mm-hmm. in a circle but not um upside down so I relearned all of that after aerobics so it wasn't until I was about 18 that I started getting back into it Mm-hmm. And you touched on it a little bit before mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the, the what's the word I'm looking for, individual sort of sport and athletics, which was that aerobics and which was that gymnastics and, you know, the the benefits of that. Talk to me a little bit about what you took away from your time as a competitor in terms of learning to be disciplined, but also learning, you know, the power of motivation over di- or discipline over motivation, um, learning the power of resilience and perseverance and all of that kind of stuff as well. Mm. Well, I mean, in terms of the difference in team and individual, I think I've found most that it's just shaped my um, my focus later in life as in if so say if I'm when I run an ultra marathon even if I'm running with Will which is my husband and someone else I like to think that I'm by myself because that's how I've learned to endure when I'm younger whereas I find Mm. when you speak to people who grew up in doing sporting teams most of the time they prefer to hurt around other people if that makes sense as in find an ultra marathon in a group easier which I find is is interesting um but in terms of motivation resilience and discipline I think I was really lucky that when you were young I think in my opinion I think it takes less time to see the little wins when you're younger because Mm -hmm. you pick things up so fast and you can see improvements so quickly that I think I learned very young that if you do put the work in then you do see the benefits and and you do get results and and it's just a shorter period of time when you're younger I think and I obviously both my parents worked extremely hard and were very disciplined and so I had really great role models I was very lucky to have that plus my older sister was 
better than me when I started as well. So I had someone who was incredible to look at and think, okay, well, she works really hard. If I work really hard, I can do the same. But one thing that I think was a pivotal moment in my athletic career, and it was actually the reason why I stopped doing sports aerobics, was because in the year that I won, so the year I won won Worlds, I think I was 15 or 16, and um, we it, it was just the best thing ever. I didn't expect to win because I wasn't the top age in my age group. And so it's uncommon to do that, as in normally you win when you're the top age. And so um, I just didn't expect it. I They put up the scores. So at Worlds, they, you have a prelims, a semis, and a finals. And after the prelims, they post who's winning. After the semis, they post who's winning. And then obviously they announce it for finals. And so I had no idea when the prelims scores got put up, I didn't even realise that I was winning. It was crazy. And it was such a great moment. But then the following year when I went back, because I was top age and I'd won the year before. I think everyone just expects that you're going to win again. Mm-hmm. And there was so many different things that happened in aerobics in terms of the judging changed and Australia wasn't really on board with what was happening as it went from doing just difficult routines to wanting to do simpler routines and really clean routines. So I had a really mm-hmm. hard routine with the girl who actually ended up beating me at Worlds. She had a very clean, more simple routine. It was incredible. Um, yeah. The, what happened at Worlds was the first routine I dropped a skill, which not many people are familiar with aerobics, but it would be like in gymnastics, you do a flip and you drop a skill as, and it's quite a big deal to do that at Worlds. And I remember being on stage and just not being remotely present, just thinking, man, I'm at Worlds and wake up, Meg, what are you doing? And yeah. I put so much pressure on myself and I wasn't doing it to enjoy the performance. I was so focused on winning that I just didn't, I wasn't enjoying myself. And so After I came off that performance, I think I was coming second by a couple of, maybe a couple of points. I can't remember off the top of my head and, or maybe not even that much, like one point, not a lot across the seven judges. And then went back and I just thought, I I realized that I wasn't living in the moment. So I thought, okay, well, the next two routines, I just need to really enjoy. And so I I went really hard, really enjoyed the performances. It was a great finish, but ended up coming second overall by 0.1. So it was a big, it was a big, um, obviously I was extremely disappointed because I love to win, but yeah, reflecting I thought okay that was probably going to be my final year of aerobics and then I and then I was thinking because I came second I don't want to finish on coming second because if you don't know me you you I am very competitive I don't know if you can tell (laughs) Um, and so I was going to actually go back the next year and do another year of aerobics just to come first or at least have a crack at going out on a win and then I started training and I thought man I have not learned my lesson as in I'm doing a whole nother year of training because I want to win again, not because I love the sport that I'm doing. And in the year that I won, I reckon I won because I loved the sport so much and I had no idea that I was going to win. I just loved what I was doing. And that lesson for me just taught me so much and I'm so grateful for it because it made me realise nothing is worth doing unless you love it, as in nothing, don't do a job that you don't love because you want the yeah. money because when you get the money it's not worth it or yeah. don't do a sport that you don't love because the person that does love that sport is always going to be better than you or do it for longer than you yeah. because they're going to put yeah. in work so that was a pivotal realization for me was that that one I love that I love that lesson <clears throat> and I think it's so true that you know there has to be you know an authentic why like I think people often talk about like having a why behind what they do but if that why doesn't actually sit that well with you like yes you had a why in terms of being like yes I want to win but if like deep down that's not enough because you don't love the sport then you know you're not going to put in the extra five hours of work that you might need to to get you over the line or you're not going to enjoy the experience or you're not going to you know radiate the energy that maybe the judges want to see and as you say the same thing applies with the jobs that you do or you know the relationships that you have that sort of why behind it needs to actually be authentic and sit well and align with your values otherwise it's like a moot point 
Mm, which is why I love running because it yes. forces you to get real with yourself and everyone as in if you want to run far you have to get real with what you love and what you're doing it yeah. for and you can't base it off someone else's or whatever it is because it won't last and and often the ones that are like to beat a time or to do the goal just because you want to say that you've done it or whatever those ones in the moments when you're hurting the most as in I'm talking 100ks 160ks it doesn't it's not strong enough as in yeah what really means something to you and and why you're really doing it because Mm -hmm. that's what you think of in those horrible moments when you're feeding on fire and everything feels like it's going wrong and they're the ones that keep you stepping forward and I love what you say about because I always put the work in regardless of whether I like it I love hard work but I you're right in saying that I didn't radiate the same love for the sport I don't think until maybe my final routines um Mm. as I did in the previous year and that's people will buy that people love passion Yeah, people can tell Mm. 100%. So talk to me about how you discovered running because you said that came a little bit later. Mm. Um, Okay. So I guess like when I I was competing in aerobics, I would still do one run a week, but it would have been six to eight Ks if that, uh, because our routines are only two minutes long. There's not really any point in building too much of an extreme aerobic system. And then so but I do a lot of sprint training on the treadmill. And then Mm -hmm. after I finished, I got more into gym and then I would just do one long run on the weekend and I would do 10 Ks. And then I started putting up some tips on my Instagram. This is way before running was a thing either as in no one used to run. I mean, people ran, but it isn't, I feel like a lot of people run these days because it's a bit trendy. Yeah. And yeah, it's very trendy <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So I used to put out these tips and I used to say things like when you're running, uh, when it gets hard, smile. And even if it doesn't feel natural, just smile. And someone will walk past you and you smile at them and then they'll smile back or you feel silly and then you'll laugh at yourself. And then it becomes a natural smile. But your mind yeah. gets confused in the pain and then it actually takes the pain away and then you just go oh yeah this is actually way more enjoyable than I thought and there's a whole lot of science around that now about how if you just smile it it produces hormones and all sorts Mm -hmm. of things that make you actually feel happy but I used to put these little tips up on my stories and people started trying them and messaging me saying this is actually working it's really helping and then so I started doing more more training and not 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 anything like I do now, but I just do one longer run. So then it would become a 15K yeah. run. And then I did my first half marathon. And then after I did my first half marathon, I loved it so much. I actually did in Hawaii. I loved it so much that I came back and my dad had always run half marathons, but he'd never done a full. And he said he wanted to do a full because he'd seen me go and run the half. And so yeah. then dad started training. But at the time, I actually had a bad hip. So I decided to take three months off, which is way harder for me than training. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I took three months off. Um, it didn't fix my hip. And then the day before the Gold Coast Marathon in 20, I think it would have been 2019 when my dad ran it, I just thought, well, my dad's. I think he would have been 60, 60 something at the time. I thought my dad's probably not going to run a marathon again, although I I definitely think he will now, but um, (laughs) I just thought I want to run with my dad. So I just booked a ticket three months off, no training. So not in shape and then just ran it. And, and it was, I got to 20, I felt great until 27 Ks hit the wall so bad and run, walked, crawled to the end. And then Mm -hmm. after got it done, it was great. His dad got it done too. He did a great job. But after that, I just realized that there's a difference between having discipline through one event. So the, the marathon mm-hmm. hurt for four and a half hours or whatever it took me at the time to do is, and it was pain for four and a half hours and maybe a day after you're a bit sore, but it's a different kind. It's not that fatigue yeah. kind of pain. And then I just realized that it's actually 
way harder to do something every single week that is hard as in it's a long-term mm-hmm. discipline that probably a majority of us lack because it's yeah. the one it's the choosing the saying no to the easy option for the long-term goals and not seeing the small wins or the instantaneous wins but choosing to forgo them for the long the long term and I think that's when I decided I actually had moved to the Gold Coast to start I started studying physio um and I also found that there was a huge party scene on the Gold Coast and I don't drink anymore. I mean, I was drinking a little bit at the time, but I I don't drink at all anymore. And I just, it just wasn't my scene. I I felt like I was just having shallow conversations when I was out and I was trying to meet people, but also the people that I was probably looking to meet were not out on Saturday nights. So yeah. But every, every Saturday would come around and everyone would say, come out and let's go out and things like that. And I just started, decided I'm just going to start running 10Ks every Sunday. And that was my thing. I just said, I'm doing 10Ks every Sunday. This is at the start of 2021. Um, and I'd also listened to this podcast that is the first podcast I really listened to. And I thought it was incredible. It was um, David Goggins and Rich Roll, one of his original podcasts. And it was so good. I just remember listening to it thinking that if this guy who is over 100 kilos, never run before, goes and runs 100Ks, I think was his first run, I can definitely do 42 or I can definitely do 10Ks every Sunday. And I just thought... I just thought I'm just going to go for it. So I started doing the 10Ks every Sunday. People would start asking me on Saturday to come out and I'd say, oh, I've got 10Ks tomorrow. And they'd just say, okay, no worries, all good. Yeah. Um, it was like they understood. And then I also yeah. started doing them. And it, some, it would be hard as in some days you wake up and it's um, it's raining outside or it's hailing and you don't want to yeah. go or you're sick. I was doing it even when I was getting crook. Um, and just showing up for myself. And I I realized very quickly that true confidence comes from what you can do and having that trust within yourself. As in, yeah, you you say to yourself, you're going to do something and then you don't do it. You're not going to feel very good about yourself. And if you do that over a long period of time, your confidence is going to be really low because your confidence is saying that I trust myself that I can do what I say I'm going to do. That is what confidence is in my opinion. And so then every time I would wake up and do the 10Ks, I just found my whole rest of my week was so much more productive because rather than thinking, oh, when you eat your breakfast and put your dish in the sink, I would just wash it straight away. And everything was do not procrastinate, get it done because that's what's going to get you the most progression and the most confidence. And yeah, it, it, it really started to change my weeks. And then I didn't expect anyone to start coming along or anything like that. But a few of my friends started joining me doing 10Ks every Sunday. And it was originally, we just say 10K Sunday, if you want to come and join and that's yeah. something. And then it wasn't until Will, who was my now husband, messaged me and slid into the DMs and said, <laughs> you want to go for a run? And because he'd seen me running every Sunday. And so we went for a run together the next Sunday. And he said, this is a really, I told him about why I was running. And he said, this is really cool. Let's just invite some friends next week and let's do it with some more people. And so following week, we invited people, but actually was pouring rain. So I woke up to, I think, (laughs) three messages from the three people that were coming saying they're not coming because it was raining. And so we ended up just going for a run. It was actually such a nice run. Um, and that would that would have been the, our third date or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and I remember saying to Will, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea. I think people are not going to be that into it. And then, and then he goes, and then I said, I will just try for the next three weekends. And then if no one wants to come, I mean, I, I was still going to be running anyway, so it didn't really matter. Yeah. If no one came. If people came or not. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, the following weekend, I put it up on my story, and at the time, I don't even know if I had 10k followers. And so I really didn't expect anyone to come, but some of our friends came, but also three people that I'd never met before. One of whom yeah. is now my closest friend. It came um, to the mega run and, and then it, what I guess it transitioned across to being called mega run after a few weeks after that. But we just had no anticipation that, it, that we never planned to make a run club. We just were doing something that we were passionate about every Sunday and turns out there's a lot of other people who are crazy enough to want to come yeah. and run every Sunday with us too. Um, 
but I, I firmly believe that through pushing the limits that we have in our mind and realizing that we can do more, that's where true confidence comes from. And, and then that's, I guess, progressed into the longer distances where it's actually, mm-hmm. sorry, now you've got me on a roll. I hope that you hope you don't know. This is perfect. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> so we, we, I think we did, we started building up our kilometers and we'd do a 30 K or we do a, 40k some people were doing 30ks prior to mega run getting up at 3 a.m and then doing 30ks and then running the 10k with mega runners and it went crazy everyone just started doing crazy feats and it wasn't until um so we started with gold coast brisbane was our second ever location and then i started getting messages from other people wanting to start mega runs in their areas so yeah um we met all these other great people so we've got at the time I was just letting anyone start them but I realized that the success of a mega run is really dependent on who hosts it as in there's yeah. a set of five things that the people need to be or else it just doesn't seem to work very well or at least it's not the same sort of vibe as what we try to make at mega run or naturally make at yeah. mega so it wasn't until one of the other leaders from a different location said that they were going to do an 100k race that we thought or maybe we can do the 100K race too. So yeah. it's really cool being around people who are pushing themselves because then it does make you think, okay, well, I used to think that running 10Ks is hard, but now this person's saying they're going and doing 100Ks. Well, why why can't I do that? And, and yeah. when you think that you couldn't push past the 10K or the 30K, but then you did, your mind just starts to go, hold on, well, what else can I do? And that's what, yeah. we, that's what we try to show people at Mega Run, not just in running, but running teaches you that you don't have to listen to the self-doubt and you are capable yeah. more and you can go and pursue that job that you didn't th- think that you could or were qualified enough for or live a life that every a lot of people say that you can't. As in, I genuinely believe that you can do almost anything if you are willing yeah. to put in the work. It's just some people aren't willing to put in the work and therefore don't think yeah. it's possible. Yeah, no, definitely. I love all of that, like so, so much. And I think especially, you know, we talked about it earlier in relation to, you know, the competitive aerobics and stuff like that and just in general needing to have an authentic why. And I love that that lesson also then carried through into, you know, the mega run and and the whole creation of that or and even just like the passion about running and how that is rooted in fostering confidence and fostering self-trust and I so agree with you there that you know self-confidence is rooted in self-trust and whether or not you know you can trust that when you say you're going to do something whether or not you actually believe that to be true because that obviously filters into every aspect of your life you know you can make a goal of oh I want to get a promotion but if you've built up all of these, all of this evidence in your head that when you say that you're going to do something, whether it's put the dishes away or, you know, hang up the washing or, you know, hang out with that friend that you said that you were going to see and every single time you bail on, you know, yourself, there's no way that you're going to have any faith that you're going to, you know, do this big goal of a promotion or travel or, you know, anything that you have in life if if there's no evidence to support that that's ever been the case. Mm. And so... Yeah, I love that, you know, whether it's running or sport or fitness, I find it the lessons that you learn there and the confidence that you build, whether it's in the gym or on the running track or whatever it is, translates and filters into so many other areas of your life. And I think that's what's so mm-hmm. special about exercise and sport and fitness is, is a skill that, you know, the mindset lessons that you learn also translate across the board. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's, it's actually exactly why I wrote Run Mega because I was Mm. not always, I was actually, if you ask my parents what I was like when I was a bit younger, they would have said socially awkward as in I didn't like (laughs) speaking. I didn't like big events. I didn't like, Mm -hmm. I just liked to, because I was an individual athlete, I just liked to do the work by myself. Yeah. Didn't, Didn't really feel like I needed to be around people to benefit 
will grow as in I didn't realize that concept until later and so I was quite shy I was a little bit negative I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder for absolutely no reason because I had a great (laughs) childhood but at the time you just don't realize and it wasn't until mom says it was like I just woke up one day and I was a different human but I just realized that blaming blame whilst it feels good in the short term it only affects you and it's only going to put as in the power is where where the finger points so if I'm constantly doing something else I can't do anything about it and I just had this realization one day and then that that was why I started I was like because I was quite fearful I would just do everything that made me afraid and that's why I've ridden run mega because I've obviously gone from someone who was quite shy was a bit negative wasn't living a life that I loved and Mm. I wasn't confident I wasn't confident I was confident in aerobics or an individual thing but I wasn't overly confident in myself and then to now obviously loving my life feeling super confident doing crazy things got a great husband you know just feeling so lucky in the life that I've created Um, And that's why I wrote Run Mega, because the program is not technically it's a running program, but it's more about exactly what you're saying, teaching people to use running as the tool to build confidence in themselves and open their mind to what they're capable of doing. That's exactly why I wrote it. So when I I try to explain it, because it's obviously there's so many running programs out there, but it's it's not it's not for runners per se. It's for people who want to realize their true potential yeah and I think too running in particular and maybe this is just me projecting but a lot of people have a mental block around running being like oh I'm just like not a runner or like I don't have the you know cardio endurance or like I, I get shin splints or like people are so full of excuses whereas I feel like you know with the I don't know, with the gym or strength training and stuff, there are, there are, I suppose, more modifications to make mm. it feel potentially more accessible. Like obviously there are still barriers to exercise and strength training and stuff like that. But again, this could just be like me projecting because I'm also, I, I can I, definitely I be one of those people that being like, I hate running, like I'm so bad at it and therefore don't do it. And mm. I think what you've done with, you know, run mega and and the mega run in general is come at it not necessarily from the perspective of you know come and run 100 you know kilometers on your first go but like I know when I first started following you years ago and it was just I think in the Gold Coast and Brisbane like one of the things that you were sort of reinforcing to the community was like you know we do a loop so you can come and you can run one way or you can meet us at the other point and just do half of it and start there and then slowly build. And, you know, the electricity of doing something in a group like the mega run where there's so many, you know, hype lords and all of that kind of stuff that bring the energy up. Like it's so easy to get swept up in it. And it's not about, you know, the running necessarily. It's about, as you said, the why behind it, the community behind it, the social aspect of things. And, you know, as a byproduct, you get better at doing a sport and you get better at, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and you get stronger and your heart gets better and all of that kind of stuff. And you're doing something that you didn't think that you could do before. Mm. And I think it's because running is exactly that. It's hard as in running hard and you can't, I mean, you can run slower, but if you run slow for a long time, it's also hard. So I think with gym, I mean, if you go to the gym and I'm a gym advocate, I love gym, but you can go to the gym and I mean, you can sit on your phone for the whole time if you want. Exactly. it It can be extremely hard or it can also be very easy depending on obviously how you actually do your sessions. But for running, I mean, you're either running or you're walking or you're stopped as in there's no real you can run fast, slow, everything like that. But as in running itself to keep going is, I mean, it is hard. And so it requires obviously that mental strength to keep pushing. But I think you, what you said is right. Where people go wrong, I think is because I've seen a lot of them as in people, Mm. so many people have come to mega run and said, I am not a runner. As in one of the first times I met a lady who came and she actually bought her son because her son wanted to run. And when I met her, I said, oh, are you going to run today? And she goes, no, nah, hate running, not running. Yeah. And I thought, okay, no worries. We'll just go for a walk. Because then that's what I said. Yeah. 
every week for the next four weeks I used to speak to her and after I think three weeks of just being around everyone else and seeing everyone you know not every hardly anyone there is proper professional runners as in we have people who run very fast times but they're not they're not no one is competing in running yeah that then we're not paid to run is what I'm saying yeah the people she she and I ended up speaking with her in three weeks time and she'd gone and run four k's as in and she said she never run and so yeah it's really people I think one either make the goal the start goal too big as in they overestimate what they can do in the short term but underestimate Mm -hmm. what they can do in the long term or and so they try and then they give up because it's it's too big of a goal and I'm all for big goals but you've got to make like steps towards along the way as in it's the little wins that build your confidence to what you do later and then the second one is obviously well what are they running for as in are you running Mm -hmm. because you want to be seen at mega run or you want to do you want to post that you've done 5Ks or you want your Strava to look a certain way or whatever it is. As in, I think that's the trouble is when people come to Mega and they realise everyone is actually just there to push themselves and it doesn't matter what that is. They're just there because really, as in it, it is solely for you. As in if you come to Mega Run and you don't push yourself, that's fine, but you're not going to leave feeling as good as if you do. And so... yeah think for the people who say they're not runners and that they would never run I think they've just got to get the right reason to run and Mm -hmm. and be have the little wins along the way as in if you say I'm going to go and run 1k today and you go and do it celebrate that win so hard and then you'll come back next week and you go man that felt good to hit that 1k now I'm going to try and hit 2k's and you go and hit Mm -hmm. the 2k's you go man that felt good now what's next and then you'll start to do that in all other aspects of your life but yes running is hard because it's hard that's what I think yeah a hundred percent um I want to sort of come at you know everything that you do even from sort of the the business side of things um and I think I don't know if you would agree with this, but the success of the Mega Run initially and then Run Mega and, and everything that you do, it sounds like it's been an incredible sort of organic journey. Like you started doing it because you wanted to do it and you wanted to challenge yourself. And then your passion then brought in, you know, doing it with friends and doing it with your partner and and then brought in a wider community when you sort of put it to them through your Instagram and your personal brand and everything like that. Um you touched on it a bit before about how when you first started, it wasn't to become this, you know, worldwide thing of different run clubs. But what was the, did you have a strategy after a certain point of being like, wow, people are really interested in this. Like how can we sort of grow this? Um, Or was it very much just like, okay, different people are reaching out to me to say that they want to be a part of this. Where do we go from there? Good question. I think I realized that because at the time I, so I was studying physio. I did my first year. You were doing your master's of of physio after your exercise and nutrition or? Griffith only does a bachelor. So I was doing the first year of the bachelor. So I think I'm going to sneeze. It's gone. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, So they were doing, I was doing my first year of physio there. And that was actually when I met Will and Will Will spoke to me about why I was doing physio and I already knew before that I didn't I wasn't passionate about physio but I just didn't know what else I wanted to do as in when I left school I thought you could be a doctor a physio a dentist and that's about it as in I didn't really think and I also thought that business people were business people as in they were just born that way I didn't really understand very much about what you can do in business and so um when I met Will he asked me why I was doing physio and I said oh oh, well I just don't really know what else to do but I'm not passionate about it and he was actually the person that gave me a little bit of a nudge to put Mm -hmm. physio on hold I didn't actually I didn't completely drop out I deferred physio but I never actually went back um and I deferred it for a year and he just said well you should just try doing other things because I already knew it in my heart but he just gave me the nudge was that yeah the only thing worse than not pursuing um than pursuing a, a safe job or sorry the only thing more scary than leaving a um a 
living uh, sorry not having like a stable job is living a job for the rest of your life that is not what you're passionate about in my in my opinion that is just terrible and so when I really thought about that I thought yeah you're actually right I don't have kids I don't have a whole lot of bills this is the time to make the mistakes and figure out what it is that I want to do so I left physio and I started doing PT which I actually never thought I would do but um did that for a period of time also didn't end up loving it because I found that I was helping someone one-on-one and it was taking a lot of my time but then I was able to help so many more people in a shorter amount of time through things like mega run and through my social media and things like that which is what I realized I'm more passionate about but when mega run started we brought on everyone who wanted to start one at the start and then obviously I said we were more specific and we actually cut down I think it got to 30 locations and then we cut down Mm -hmm. to about five and then now there's about there's about 10 now because we've gradually Mm -hmm. built people up as we go but the reason we 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 are not as much as I say we obviously have other locations. We aren't actually focused on growing locations. We just, yeah. if we find the right person, that's when we'll bring them on because we're excited to have them part of the crew and we know that they have the ability to change more people's lives. So the focus has always been, it lights me up when I see other people realise what they're capable of because I had William as that one person that believed yeah. Obviously, my family believed in me, but I guess your family is a bit different where they want you to be safe and secure. Yeah, yeah. And so for sure. they, I think they would have actually rather me stay in my physio degree. Now they wouldn't have. I think yeah. they love what I'm doing. But at the time, they were pro stay, keep doing physio, don't go and do the risky option. Yeah. And so have will be that person that says you can do it. Let's go have a crack. Just see what happens. Um, mm. Was really for me to keep me going and so that's what I want to be for other people as in all the hype lords who stand up the front in front of the mega on locations they're hype lords because they love seeing other people reach their potential and get after it and they love doing that themselves and so they're always Mm -hmm. pushing the limits and inspiring other people to do the same so I mean we want to start new locations mainly because then we have the opportunity to help change more people's lives and open their mind to what they're capable of but it wasn't I mean it's not a it's not a financial thing we don't we don't charge anyone to mega run so that was our intention was never to make money from mega run and that's obviously where run mega is an income and we're actually Mm -hmm. dropping uh, a new business which I can tell you about as that will be coming in the next couple of months um Mm -hmm. But we have been overseas for the last four months working on creating our own running apparel brand. So we've been putting a lot of effort into that Um, and that will be coming in the next, um, well, we have socks, which is actually our 30th or 28th revision of the sock. That's how much effort we put into it. Um, That will be coming in the next um, two months, I'd say about December. And then the rest Mm -hmm. of the range will come next year. So very exciting times, but that's how we planned to obviously be able to sustain ourselves. to Keep doing things like mega run and what we love. Um, But no, the intention was never to make muggy muggy money directly. (laughs) Mega run. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And I love that, you know, as we've sort of, I feel like the running themes throughout this episode is, you know, the the why and the passion behind something is the sort of fuel that drives it to keep going and to keep growing. Mm-hmm. And that that's, you know, that's the passion behind why you started. And that's the passion that you want to see in the people that you're bringing on and bringing into the mega run and bringing into the team. And then, you know, that passion is then still found in the the Run Mega program. And then that passion is still there when you're doing the apparel for the, for the same thing and for the same reason. And it all blends together. Because I think with obviously this podcast, that a lot of the audience is coaches and personal trainers and, and people in that um, fitness professional space. And obviously, you know, we need money to be able to like sustain, you know, doing the things that we're passionate about. But 
I think it's all very well and good to say, oh, well, look at Meg. She's done this um, mega run thing and it's been really successful. Maybe I'll do that. And like, I've never run a day in my life, but like, I want to make a run club because that looks like people are enjoying it and people would do it kind of thing. But as we've sort of said, it doesn't work if the the passion and the why and the fire isn't there alongside it. Otherwise, like people can see through it, I think. Mm. Um, and also you're not going to put in the same, you know, work and time and energy because it does take obviously time and energy to be there on a Sunday and like rile a whole crowd up and, you know, then get up early in the morning the next day to jump on a Zoom meeting with a high board in Switzerland and all of that kind of stuff. So I think what would, I guess my question is, what would your advice be for a coach or a trainer or someone who has an idea or a passion or enjoys doing something but isn't sure how to like turn it into a a business model but also sort of the movement in the way that you guys have done Mm -hmm. good question so I think for starters the things that I did when I was starting is one, I've read the book Find Your Why by Simon Sinek. Mm -hmm. And that is a great book because it helps you to put exactly what you think your passion purpose is into one sentence. And that makes Mm -hmm. it easy to make decisions from. If you're always, every time I make a decision, whether it's a partnership or a business idea, every decision I make is based around that. I put it through my why and I think, is this going to fulfill me? Because your why is what is going to fulfill you. And if you do that, then you're making a good decision in the long run. It might not seem like mm-hmm. it is the right one in the short term. And certainly I have said no to some great deals of partnerships in the short term because I've got a long-term plan. Um, mm-hmm. And so that would be my number one. And then number two is sometimes it can be hard to know exactly what you want to do, but rather than yeah. just every time you decide that you want to try something else, don't just flip your whole entire life because I feel like then you get hooked on that honeymoon phase of it's like if people are bouncing from relationship to relationship because the start of the relationship's exciting and then it goes boring and then you you go, oh, got to change it all again, get someone else. And then that just keeps happening. It's the same with jobs rather than changing everything, just do a little experiment. It's a, concept I think from skip the line another book Mm -hmm. Um, and it says instead of changing everything go and do a little experiment to whether or not you will like it so like me Mm. doing I knew I wasn't going to enjoy physio so that's why I deferred physio but as in if I was in that position again I could and you weren't sure you're in the middle of your degree well say you might want to be a hairdresser but you're currently being a physio okay well how much of your time are you actually spending in your week figuring out whether or not that's what you want to do because I do think it's easy to figure out what you don't want to do than what you do want to do so yeah my advice would be okay change do a little experiment down that path of whether you think you'll want to do it so if I if you're in physio you want to be a hairdresser Go and approach a hairdresser you know and ask if you can spend one day a week volunteering and watching how they work. And if Mm -hmm. every time you do that, you just think it is the best thing ever, then maybe that is the right career choice for you. Um, And then I think think the last one is get get real with your intentions, obviously, because it's just the person who loves running will always run further than the person who's running to a certain destination. This is just a fact. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to love what you do and you've got to be brave enough to do that for it to work because there are people out there who absolutely love what they're doing, absolutely love their businesses and are going so hard as a result because it doesn't feel like work to them. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's hard things and everything is in, it's not like saying that you pick a business and it's supposed to be fun all the time. That is not, Mm. that's just not real, but it means times that it gets hard, they never feel like they're not worth it because you always know you're working towards a goal. As in, you know, when you say that on the Sundays, I've got to rile everyone up and get everyone pumped and that could be really hard. Well, 
I just naturally love that as in it energizes me to do that. So what I would say to people trying to figure out what avenue they want to go down is pay attention to the things that energize you. There was actually, Mm -hmm. this makes me think of, um, Mo Gorda, I'm not going to say his name right, it's spelled G-A-W-D-E-T. I listened to a podcast with um, him in it the other day and he said our people are wrong in thinking that our default setting is not happiness. As in when we are born as babies, our default is to be happy and we're we're happy all the time unless we're hungry, need a nappy change or we're tired. And, but every other time we're just stoked on with life. But then now I feel like people keep thinking that in order to be happy, I need to do this or I need to have this or whatever it is, is in need something to be happy rather than being default happy. And I think if you, sit there and you think about as in journaling is a great way to figure this Mm. out but if you sit there and think okay if I'm supposed to be happy what is it that's not making me happy right now a lot of people would say their jobs a lot of people would say that their their lack of passion has affected their relationship and it's not enjoyable anymore well maybe it's not your relationship and your relationship is great, but your the life of you is being sucked out of you in your business yeah. or, your, or your career that then you are not showing up as good in other aspects of your life. So don't go and change everything, but just go and start making yeah. small changes and see if that makes you feel happier by elimination, not by adding mm. new is what I would say. Um, I don't even know if I answered that question. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, definitely. And I think um, what you said about sort of getting real about your intention and, and figuring out and just being real with what you do and don't enjoy. Like I think, um, as I said, people could look at you and and think, okay, like that works really well. I'm going to do a really big, like I'm going to be super community centric and do, you know, big scale, whether it's group classes or these or a run club or something like that. But then, you know, deep down, they know that they much prefer working one-on-one or, you know, whereas you said the other way around that you started doing personal training and realized that because your intention or deep down your why is to help more people and like have a, a broad audience and have sort of scale on your side, the one-on-one stuff doesn't work as well because all of your time is being eaten up because you've only got like eight hours in a day let's say if you're doing one hour pt sessions you can only work with eight clients in a day whereas at a mega run you can do work with 200 kind of thing Um, just on that it was also because if when i'm helping someone as so my style that i like to do i guess i'm passionate about is leading yeah. by example as in i don't yep i don't love doing the one-on-one stuff as much because i don't like sorting through people's individual problems and as a pt yeah. normally that actually is just what happens yeah. like people tell you yeah. what's going on and that some people absolutely love that but for me exactly. i don't i like being okay, this is, I'm a representation of what you can do. And I'm going to continue to push the limits until you are inspired to do those things. But that's obviously, it's not necessarily the scale of the numbers or anything like that. It's just, I don't enjoy the one-on-one telling people things. Whereas Mm -hmm. my husband is way better at that than me. I'm better at the broader scale. Here's the way to do it. I'm here to encourage you. I'll be the biggest cheerleader, but you've got to do the work is, is where yeah. that's the star that I like. Definitely. And I think that then translates into, you know, the, the social media business side of things as well in the personal brand, because again, the, the great thing about social media is you can do that in terms of leading by example, you show people your life and what you're doing and your workouts and stuff like that. And people can then take inspiration and motivation and all of that kind of stuff from that without you having to necessarily have, you know, those like deep dive one-on-one conversations where everyone is like absolutely pounding their um, (laughs) trauma onto you in the middle of a squat kind of thing. (laughs) Um, um, And then whereas which works amazingly and you can make money that way in the same way that you could, you know, make money with doing a run program and, or with the apparel and stuff like that. Or if you're a person that, 
does prefer the sort of one-on-one side of things it's like okay well if you know that that's where your intention is and you like that is your passion is helping people on a one-on-one basis how can you also make that more financially viable like can you do you charge more for sessions than if you're only doing one-on-one so that you can then you know make enough money to be able to work the hours that you want etc etc so I love your point about get real about what your intentions are, what you actually enjoy doing. And, you know, as you said, sometimes that does come with a bit of trial and error. So Mm -hmm. to make that, you know, a safer space to do that, you don't have to overhaul your whole life every time you want to like try something new. You can do those small changes to say, okay, like maybe I want to try a couple of one-on-one things. Like, can I pick up an extra PT session or like do a class at a gym while I'm, you know, working full time or, other way around it's like can I you know join a run club as a participant and see what the vibe is like see what the people that run the clubs are doing at the front and whether that's something that I'd ever want to do as well and and ask people too yeah exactly thing that I thought um of it as advice for people who want to who obviously are coaches and things like that is that stop asking other people for advice as in I'm a big believer of reading and if you, if you don't read, then this is exciting because you have an opportunity to learn from people's entire lifetime's worth of work in, you can read it in a week. As in I just think that yeah. it blows my mind when people say they don't read because I think, guys, people have learned this whole, this is what they've learned in their lives. Yeah. As in why are we not yeah. reading? But I think in terms of asking people close to you for advice, yes, sometimes mm-hmm. it serves its purpose. But I have, I found so much more clarity in what I wanted to do when I silenced all the noise around me mm-hmm. and I just went internal and I thought, what do I want to do? As in deep down, you know, everybody yeah. knows what they want to do. And one thing that does help is journaling. It is writing mm-hmm. and figuring out, okay, well, what's, you say, I feel like this. Okay, well, why do I feel like this? Or is this actually how I feel? Or is am I as in, for example, if if you're feeling jealous, okay, well, is that person really a bad person or is it you wanting something that they have? And then once you do that, you no longer feel like that because you go, well, I can actually do that too. I just need to put in the work to get that or whatever it is. Um, I think that was a big change for me because if you are taking the advice from people, I, I mean, unless there's someone that really inspires you and you want to be living their life and every aspect of their life inspires you then I think be very careful of who you take advice from because otherwise you're just going to live whatever life they think they can live or whatever their life they want to live and it's not actually going to be what is going to light you up when you get there so that would be my other big advice yeah definitely I think that's such a good point in terms of the reading or listening to podcasts and stuff like that because you're still able to get advice but you've got the space within the you know reception of that advice to like figure out how you want to apply it to your life where as opposed to someone telling you how you specifically should apply it to your specific situation and I agree with you that I think deep down most of us do know what we want and are either whether we necessarily know exactly what it's going to look like, like the specifics of it sometimes are a little bit blurry, but I think deep down, like inherently we know like how we want to feel at least. Um, But I think so often we know what we want. And then when we're asking people for advice, there's a very specific thing that we're waiting for someone to say (laughs) so that we can then do the thing that we want. Yeah, exactly. We already know what we want to hear, but it's almost like we're asking for permission from other people. So yeah, I agree like to be, and also depending on who you're asking advice from, um, like I think in the coaching space or the entrepreneur space and all of that kind of stuff, it's easy to get like very wrapped up if you're in that kind of bubble um, that, you know, everyone's doing this stuff, but most people aren't working, I suppose, for themselves or they are working in more sort of structured jobs, which is so fair. Um, But, you know, if you're asking advice, like when you were sort of talking about with your parents and they were definitely more on the side of staying within the degree and having that safety there, which is obviously very understandable. But if you were 
basing all of your decisions on their advice and on their, you know, value sets or their um, mental blocks, then you never would have done, you know, what you've done and what you've done is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. That's really nice. It's just more knowing that they just want different things. They they don't live the crazy life that I want to live, but they're stoked. It's just everyone is different. Um, Exactly. Hmm. And actually, this is totally left field, but it just makes me think of one of my biggest realizations was that every everyone in the world wants to be liked to some extent because it's inherently in our instincts that if when we were in the caveman times, if we yeah. fell out with our tribe and we were on our own, then you would die. As in yeah. So yes everyone wants to be a part of a tribe and it's important to find your tribe by being real about yourself and there are so many people in the world there is you only need a couple of friends that you are going to find the right ones just stop panicking and be yourself and then they will come but what I was think what I was remembering is that people really struggle with not being liked by Mm -hmm. other people And it's definitely something that I have struggled with in the past because I've thought it's made me question myself because I always see that my intentions are good. And I think, man, oh, what have I done? As in, why doesn't that person like me? It's not more of a, oh, why doesn't that person like me? It's like, bad because I think, what have I done that's made them not like me? But when I realized this, it, it really helped me relax and be more comfortable with it is that there is nothing in, in the world that everybody likes. As in, I, if yeah. you can think of one, then that, that yeah. I'll be very impressed. But isn't there a gold mine? <laughs> absolutely nothing. As in, nothing. Not even, not yeah. even everyone likes water. So yeah, the that then why do we expect everyone to like us? And technically, yeah. if every if we if everyone around us likes us, mm-hmm. everyone ever, then it it actually means we're not being real because. There are things about our personalities that unless we change them every time we see someone different, no one's going to like everything about us. So for me, having that realization, I actually thought, man, if everyone likes me, I'm not being real. That was when I thought it's important that you know that. Not that I want to go and get people not to like me because it happens naturally anyway. But I I think I just... I just realized that the right people are going to love you and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. about the rest. And and that was a huge one for confidence too is yes, obviously listen to uh, listen to the opinions of the people that you actually value, but you don't need to listen to everyone. Yep, 100%. 100%. And I think that sentiment also goes into you know from a a business perspective of finding like your ideal clients whether that is in a group setting or one-on-one you know you can't please everyone and you can't work with everyone and I think as a service-led business whether that's like one-on-one PT coaching group fitness coaching whatever it is people are more often than not buying from you because they're wanting to buy from you specifically and from you as a person and from your personality and from your values and whether or not they resonate with it as opposed to, you know, a product where they're buying the product and don't know anything about the, like who's Mm -hmm. selling it kind of thing. And so, as you said, you can't please everyone. Not everybody is going to like you. And if you're putting in from like a marketing strategy of business trying to come up with some marketing strategy that's going to appeal to every single person in the world that's one just not going to work and also as you say going to be just so exhausting trying to like change and adapt your personality to every person whereas I think it's so much easier or it's like the path of least resistance is just like being yourself and attracting the clients that are naturally going to be attracted to you anyway and what you're doing. Or even one step further, you should choose what clients you want. As yeah, in, exactly. Be really clear on who you want and then you can figure out how to find them. As in that's that exactly. would be the one thing that I would, I mean, I had, I actually ended up having great clients in PT. It was actually hard to leave them, but yeah. I just, I yeah. PT. but at the start, you just want to take everyone because you want to fill your yeah. things like that. But it's really important to sometimes build a little bit slower, but have in mind what exactly mm-hmm. you want because 
you might say that at the start it's anyone is great, but I guarantee you there's going to be some people that for me it's the people that come in and complain every week and you think, well, yeah. I- yeah, <laughs> I like the ones that come in and really want to train and some people may like the complainers but you yeah. have to be specific so I, that would actually be my advice to the one-on-one coaches and the PTs and yeah like that especially if you're not loving it anymore and you used to love it is reflect on okay well what is what are your clients looking like now is that one of the reasons mm. why you're not enjoying it and then if that means you have to drop a few clients then and you have to take a step back financially. We'll get rid yeah. of some of your coffees and your nails yeah. done, whatever else, and and yeah. sacrifice that to be happier, and then and make steps forward after that. I think that is so Definitely. key. It's, it can take away your passion of what you're doing just purely because you're not loving the clients that you're receiving. Hundred percent. I think I love this overarching method, and I think that this is a great place to sort of wrap up this podcast is this overarching message that's run throughout it of understanding your why, understanding and getting clear on your intentions and letting that filter through every single thing that you do, whether it's the clients that you take on, whether it's the type of work that you're doing, whether it's, you know, the impact that you want to make, it's understanding where that's coming from and what your intention with that energy is. Um, So, yeah, I think that's such a special message. And I think so many people are going to take a lot from this and a lot of inspiration, which they can then decide what parts of this they want to, you know, take away um, rather than the sort of one-on-one advice. Um, But is there anything that you want to say before we wrap up this episode? I mean, this is not what I would normally say, but this is just what came to mind is life is short and it's too short not to live your passions. So just go all in and have a crack. And what's, what's the worst thing that can happen is when you end up on your friend's couch or your parents' couch or whatever it is, is in just have a crack because, I mean, I'm having a crack and it's frigging great. Yeah. And that yeah. doesn't, everything is going perfectly all the time, but every part of it is worth it because I'm doing what I love. I love that. And where can people find you? I'll put all of the links in the show notes to your page, Mega Run, Run Mega. Um, you obviously... Um, told us about your new project that's coming up. Is there anything that people can do if they're interested in that? Is it just follow you and and see when you post about it officially? I think that would be easiest as in everything goes that I have run Mega and the Mega Runs Instagrams in my Instagram. My Instagram mm-hmm. is still Meg Sutherland, so M-E-G-S-U-T-H-E-R-L-A-N-D. And um, you can click any of the links from my personal um, social media so you can see all the mega on locations and things like that. Amazing. And as I said, I'll have that all linked in the show notes below. But thank you so much, Meg, for coming on the AWPT podcast today. I've absolutely loved this conversation. And I know I've taken so much out of it as a human, as a coach, as a everything. And I know our audience will as well. Well, thank you for having me. And hopefully it, it helps. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the AWPT podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and fellow coaches and subscribe for weekly episodes and content.